Welcome to the Seven Hills Church Podcast with Marcus Mika. We're excited you're here listening as Pastor Marcus is about to bring an incredible teaching that is sure to inspire, motivate, and lift you up. You can visit us on our website at sevenhillschurch.tv or download our free Seven Hills Church app to watch or listen to more exclusive content. Thank you for tuning in and we hope you enjoyed the message. Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5. Last week, we started at the top end of this conversation that Paul has on the subject of relationships or marriage. We're going to go all the way to the end of his conversation today. And so last week, we kind of looked at the thesis. This week, we're kind of looking at the conclusion. And then in following weeks, we're going to fill in the gaps and go through the roles of the man and the woman And so we're going to do our best to go at it this way. So Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31. Paul is quoting uh, Moses in Genesis chapter 2. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And the two shall become. Everybody say become. Become. It's a big word. One flesh. This is a great mystery. This is a profound mystery but I speak concerning Christ and the church. I want to talk to you about the art or the lost art of vow making. The lost art of vow making. And the truth is you should never stop making vows. You should never stop. Sarah and I, the way that we, we met in Bible college, uh, we're coming up on something like 23 plus years ago that we've been hanging out a little bit. And uh, we, had, uh, we had mutual friends, and, you know, she kept trying to, you know, gravitate my way. And, um, <laughs> and one weekend, it was actually Thanksgiving weekend, we couldn't afford to go home, so we got together a bunch of the, the students there, and we had our own Thanksgiving or Friendsgiving and I remember uh, we, would make, we were making fun of all these couples. We were actually taking bets on who we thought was going to get engaged over the Thanksgiving holiday because we called Bible college bridal college because so many people just went there to get married, find a spouse, and then they, they bounced. And so, so Sarah and I, we weren't even seeing each other. We started, we wrapped our, our wedding fingers with some aluminum foil and we started talking about we were going to go back to school and say we got engaged, even though we weren't even a thing. And uh, that kind of led to, you know, us, you know, going back and forth a little bit. And eventually I said, well, why don't we just go out? And so we went out one day and I, I, I laid the ground rules. This is truth. You're not going to believe me, but it's how it went. <laughs> I was like, listen, I'm, I'm trying to be right. I'm trying to honor God. I'm trying to, I'm here for a reason. I want to stay focused. And so, you know, I don't mind us being friends, hanging out, but I don't want things to get physical. I don't want things to get physical because you know how that goes. And it's a slippery slope. And uh, so I just said, you know, we, that's kind of how it's going to be. And she listens to me and we hang out that night and then, we get back in my truck, and she scoots over to the middle to sit right by me. 
And then she leans over and starts making out with me. And then she says, that wasn't so bad, now was it? (laughs) On the Bible, that is what happened. (laughs) So. So that began us, the initiation, and then I intentionally, in one way or another, begin to get into her world, um, doing little things like she had this drink from Olive Garden she loved, and I would go buy it and take it to her on her break at work. And, and over time, those intentions were sustained, and it led to us getting engaged. This March will be 22 years. Um, so we got engaged. It led to a wedding or a vow making ceremony that many of you are very familiar with, and, uh, and we got married. But what I want you to understand is that as important as that day is, as important as it was, vow making should never stop. Vow making is something that should be ongoing in our life. Your wedding day should set the trend for an ongoing need for vows. You can reinforce weaknesses in your relationship with vows. You can create lesser vows to strengthen your original vows. And you can renew your vows in fresh ways. Well, what is a vow? A vow is a response to love received. It's an expression of love given. A vow is always voluntary, never mandated, and it's freely given. What makes a vow is that it is a commitment and a promise that you freely give. You are not required to, you freely give it. It's an unrequired love promise directed at a relationship. A vow is about sharing and even exposing your soul to another. A vow is an act of love and faith. That's what makes a vow so powerful, is the faith part of it. A lot of people in the day that we live in say, well, I'm just going to live with this person for however long because I want to make sure I know what I'm getting into. The problem with that is, it eliminates the faith nature of a vow. You see, the idea of a vow is I'm saying for better or for worse, and I don't even know what worse is yet. I'm, I'm, I don't know what the risks are. I don't know what the dangers are. I don't know what the potential problems are ahead of time, but by faith, I make a vow, and that vow in faith is what makes the vow so powerful because I'm saying before I see your weakness, before I see your junk, before I see your baggage, before I see all the things about you that make you probably crazy, I'm gonna by faith say we're gonna make it all the way to our deathbed. It's voluntary 
Vows are non-essential. And it's the nature of that that makes it so powerful. And Paul said in Ephesians 5.32 that vows have a profound mystery with them. You see vows all throughout Scripture. In Acts chapter 18 and verse 18, Paul the Apostle talks about vows that he made. In Acts 21-23, Paul discusses a vow that four other men made. So Paul, who is known as the Apostle of Grace, made vows, made commitments, made promises concerning what he would do in life. Vow-making is all throughout Scripture. King Joash made a personal vow. Moses instructed people to make personal vows. There's what they call the Nazarite vow, which is an unrequired vow that separates you for specific standards in life. Vow, the Hebrew word, is nadar. It means to dedicate. In Ecclesiastes, it says if you make a vow, you should fulfill that vow. John Calvin said vows are valuable and can be used to reinforce weakness and can express gratitude towards another person. The Bible is a book filled with one vow after another. God intentionalizes his love for us through vows. 7,000 specific vows or promises that God gives us. All of his love, all of his compassion, all of his desire to let us know that we are important to him and that we matter to him is intentionalized and he underlines that love by giving us promises that we can grab a hold of and trust. If your spouse is the most important human relationship you have, which it is, then you should follow God's example as the vow maker and continue to make vows. The definition of marriage, according to Dr. Timothy Keller, is a permanent, exclusive, public promise or legal commitment to share every part of your life with someone else. The power of a vow, the Bible says, is it can raise a godly seed in the earth. It can teach the next generation the power of a vow. A vow is for the betterment of the human race. We are better as a human race because of vow makers. One of the breakdowns in our society and in the home is a result of people unwilling and unable to be vow keepers. And the more we break our vows, the more we erode at the home and the family and the next generation. That's why Paul said, when you think about marriage and vow making, you have to look at Jesus and his example to the church because Jesus is the ultimate vow maker. No vow should ever be made that does not include him or invite him into the vow because a vow is only as good as the two people making the vow because I'm imperfect and because you're imperfect, our vows are going to have a tendency to break down. So we invite the one who is perfect into the vow so when I break the vow or she breaks the vow, we have someone to look to that never breaks the vow and will fight when we can't fight, will give what he can give when we can't give what we need to give. I am by nature a vow breaker. 
I by nature seek to save my life. I by nature look out for myself. A vow seeks to give myself. I I seek to give myself away. And that's why he said you've got to look at Jesus and the church if you want to understand a vow. Number one, you can reinforce. You can reinforce weakness through vows. On the edge of ancient maps, the cartographers would write where dragons lie. And the point was that there were areas that had been explored and discovered, and then there were unknown, unexplored areas, and they would write in those areas where dragons lie. And that's what a vow does. What a vow does is it takes each of us to the places in our own soul and our own life that have yet to be fully explored. And those are the places where dragons lie. And you'll never see dragons in any place more than you will see them in a marriage. And you either slay them or they will slay you. In a relationship is where my true spirituality is revealed. In a vow relationship is where everything that the Bible teaches, everything that the Bible instructs is actually tested and challenged. In a relationship that has a vow nature, I am naked and I am ashamed. What I mean by that is my worst is seen and it can no longer be hidden. Who I truly am is going to come out. If I am an angry person, an insecure person, a jealous person, a cheat, if I have white lies and tell white lies, if I'm lazy, if I'm manipulative, if I'm controlling, if I don't mean what I say or say what I mean, if I'm impatient, if I'm unforgiving, if I have a tendency to run from problems and hide in addiction, all of that I no longer can hide in a vow relationship. It brings out the very worst in me. The person has always been there. I maybe just haven't fully accepted that they're there until another person is staring right at them. Maybe our parents told us that there was that dragon in our character. Maybe our siblings, maybe a friend, maybe a teacher, a coach said, man, there's a dragon right there in your character. But you juke, you jive, you hide, you lie, you cover, you do everything that you can. But in a vow relationship, no more hiding, no more running. Who you truly are is completely seen. In a marriage, you see dragons that you never thought you would see. And God's way of deep character change is through a vow, friendship, and relationship. You can reinforce those weaknesses through your vows, acknowledging that it's a weakness. And now I vow with you to say, now that we see that dragon, will you help me overcome that area of my life? Will will you partner with me to see that area beat? Will you you come alongside of me and not let that thing keep keeping me down or holding me back from my full potential? Number two, we should create lesser vows to reinforce our original vows. Paul quoted Genesis chapter two by saying that The woman was bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. Which means that she was part of who he is. 
And then he goes on to say that the two shall become one flesh. The two shall become. It's not an overnight thing. It's not a magical thing. It's a becoming thing. It's a process. It's a painful, heartbreaking, gut-wrenching process. And it takes time. I would say it takes a lot of time, maybe even a lifetime. When you, when you get into the real becoming process, it's, it's, not, it's not fun. The way I would kind of say it is, is several years ago, I, I hurt my back. I had some sciatic issues. I was doing some things in the gym that I shouldn't be doing. And, um, and so I had to go, and they actually had to give me a shot, several shots uh, in my back. And I tore a disc, and um, yeah, it was messed up. And, and the needle that they used, the needle that they used went right into my spine, but to me, your spine is like right below the skin, like right below it, like, like that long. So the needle, you know, maybe double or triple that, right? No, the needle, <laughs> like he brought it out and it's like, it could go through me five times. I don't understand why you need that kind of a needle. And so he kept about to go into my back and, and I would flinch. And he would say, man, you need to relax. And I'd be like, okay, 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 okay. And then I'd flinch. And that's marriage. That's marriage. You flinch. And then you got to relax, you got to relax, you got to relax. And then you try to relax and then you flinch and then you relax and you flinch and then you relax and then you flinch. But if you're not careful, you'll stay flinched. You'll, you'll close down. Or you'll learn to relax. You'll learn to kind of let the jacuzzi effect take place. And you'll learn to relax and allow the process of becoming to happen. It takes time to become one flesh. And Paul said there's a mystery behind becoming. And that mystery is found in a vow. It's found in making a vow, initiates this mystery where the two shall become one. The word become is found 135 times in the Bible. It implies that you and I have a lot of events that happen and we look to the event as the moment something was defined, but really nothing of significant change happened in the event. The significant change happened in the process of becoming after the event. When you and I got saved, we immediately, at the moment we invited Jesus in our hearts, became sons and daughters of God. We became brand new people. Old things passed away. Behold, all things became new. It was a moment. It was an event. It was the born again miracle. But guess what? There's a process after the moment. And the process is called sanctification. Sanctification is the process of actually becoming what the event defined, that you are a son or a daughter of God. But now through the process, I end up learning what it looks like to become his son. I end up looking, learning to figure out what it looks like to become his children. And that's called sanctification. 
Inside a marriage, you have the wedding. That's the event. That gives you the last name. That puts a ring on your finger. But the becoming, that one flesh, happens after the event. The Bible says we become servants of God. We become the sons of God. We become fishers of men. And we become one flesh. However, the vow is what gives you the power to become. It implies that you can become something greater than yourself when you're willing to make a vow. The vow is not the goal. Giving yourself to another person is the goal. Sharing your life, your fears, your weaknesses, your worries, all of that with another person. And then as a result, acknowledging together, we can become something greater than we'll ever be as an individual. People never say, I want a vow. I need a vow. I want somebody to give me a vow. I'm just looking for a vow. No, people want another person to give themselves to or someone that will give themselves to them. In other words, a vow is ever-changing, ever-expanding, ever-growing. And because of that, you cannot rely on a, on a vow that you made at an event. It initiated the process of becoming, but now you have to back up that vow, those vows, with lesser vows because you're changing. You're not the same person. You're changing, you're expanding, you're growing, and now you have to back those vows up based upon the current landscape. 1 Peter 3 and verse 7 says it like this, that the man dwells with the woman according to knowledge. There's two types of knowledge, acquired knowledge and progressive knowledge. You're here today more than likely because you recognize that there are things yet to learn. You're showing teachability. I think that you being here has less to do with what I say and it has more to do with your spirit. If you're here truly, I mean, people show up all the time at church and they're shut down, they're closed off, they get nothing out of it. But if you're really here and you have an open heart and you're here saying, I want to learn, I want to grow, that teachability is what makes this moment so powerful because I don't think it's my head speaking to your head. I believe it's spirit talking to spirit. And I believe that God wants to say things to every person in here, not because I'm wise, But because the ancient of days, the all-wise one, is speaking and talking and communicating. And we're here saying, I still need to learn. And it could be a sentence. It could be a phrase. It could be a thought. It could be a truth. It could be something that is said that sparks something else in our life. It could be a nudge. It could be a decision that was about to be made that needs to be avoided. It could be a decision that was made that I didn't get the right counsel on. And all of this stuff is happening and you are learning to dwell with the other person. Meaning this, I should be a student of the person I say I love. I should not be a professor A student means I'm still wanting to learn about you. A professor says, I'm good, I got it, I know everything I need to know. I need to be a student. I need to keep learning and growing in knowledge so I can dwell with the person I've made the vow with. I I can't be an investigator or a judge or the attorney or the prosecuting attorney or the jury, or the executioner. I'm not a 007 snoop. I am a student. I am a student of who is this person. And the truth of the matter is who that person is has changed since you said, I do. Who are they now? Who are you now? 
Who are you together now? That needs to be not, date night should not be cake and a candle and a steak and whatever else you want. It should be a nitty gritty, real hard, heartfelt conversation. Who are we now? And that should be followed up by saying, okay, now based on this, what do we need to do to move forward? And you can do that by creating the lesser vows in those moments. It's the way God created us. And if you're not careful, and if you do not create lesser vows, then you will fall into creating inner vows. An inner vow is the vow I make on the inside where I say, because you did that to me, you may never know it, but I've already vowed on the inside of me that this is gonna happen to you. This is, I will never, you will never, I vow on the inside. And you make those inner vows and they destroy the original vows. Or you say, okay, now that that's happened, now that that's happened, now that you did this, now that you said this, now that I said that, now that this happened and this went down and we didn't know that this would be part of our life, but it's there now. Instead of making inner vows, I now follow up. I said for better or for worse, now I need to follow that up with saying, now there's a new vow. The new vow is in worse, I gotta forget some things. I gotta forgive some things. I gotta let go of some things. We got to keep this thing going by creating lesser vows. I'm almost done. Constantly, ongoing. Lesser vows help you become something you become no other way. You don't become what you need to by romance or by feelings or by sex or by a ring or by living with the person. Vows are what help two people become one. Some vows I wrote down that it might be good. Just, just be creative. Something like, you know, hey, sweetie, I'm really not good with words, but I'm gonna work on it. Just know I know that that means a lot to you when I say something, when I write the note, and I am terrible at it. I know I'm terrible at it, but I'm gonna work on it. I'm not gonna be great at it because I, so, so you got an F, you got a flunky when it comes to words. And I may not ever take it to an A, but I'm gonna work on getting at least to a D. <laughs> Who knows, you might get a C someday. Hey, I want you to know, I'm never going to bring that thing up. That thing, never again. It's done, it's buried. You will never hear it come out of my lips again. It's over. And you never have to worry about me using that against you again. I vow that to you. I'll set aside some time every week to get to know you better. I'll never compare us to another couple. I'll never compare you to her husband. I'll never compare you to his wife. I vow to pray for you. That's a good vow. I've, ne I've done a lot of weddings. Nowhere in the vows. It's a lesser vow. You created. I, 
The Bible says that I could sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you, and I will not fail to pray for you. You can trust that on a regular basis, I'm bringing your name up and whispering it in the ear of God, asking for his strength and his grace and his protection on your life and on us as a family and on our children and on our home. I vow that to you. And then number three, you can renew your vows. Because I believe many of us make vows and don't keep them. We should have moments where we renew our vows. One of the most important things we do every year at VOW, our couples conference, is we have a time where we renew vows. Every year. We actually have times where you can write the letter, a letter, we actually have letters, and you give them back to us in a self-addressed envelope. No one ever opens them. And then right before next year's vow conference, we mail them back to you guys so you could open them and read the lesser vows that you made during the conference. You can read them to your spouse to hold yourself accountable throughout the year of the vows you made. Why do we do that? In Jewish culture, they call it kol nidre. It's a night before the Day of Atonement where they repent of unfulfilled vows. What we would call a renewal of vows. They say this is a time when the slates are clean and the reset button is pushed. You and I need to reinforce our weaknesses through vows. We need to create lesser vows that strengthen the original vows. And we need to renew and refresh our vows often, often. You know, one of the number one needs they say of a woman, and think about how big of a mistake we make when we think it can happen one day, once in a lifetime. When there's an on thousands of women surveyed, they said a, a woman consistently asked herself the question, would he choose me again based on what he knows now? And most women believe the answer is no, he would not choose me again based on what he knows now. So what do we need? Regular renewal of saying, hey, Everything I know about you, out of all the women in the world, you're the only one for me. It's a renewal. It's a recommitment. It's a reestablishment of I would do it all over again, a thousand times over again. I renew that again. We know that for this church to be what it needs to be, we need strong families. When you look at things that happened in Florida and you look at things that even happened down the road in Kentucky, in my mind, it, many times it's the breakdown of the family. We need strong families. We, we need to be raising up the next generation. And I know in order to do that, that God creates events on calendars to help remind us of things that he done, has done or wants to do or creates dates on a calendar to 
potentially cause us to evaluate how are we really doing. And that's one of the powerful things I think about when I think of the marriage conference. You say, you're trying to get me to the marriage conference. Yes, I am. (laughs) Unashamedly, without question, you say, well, it cost a hundred bucks or whatever. Okay, it doesn't cost a hundred bucks. How does that do? Whatever we can do, anything we can do to help you discover the lost art of vow making. We have to do it. It's not optional. It shouldn't be a discussion. I know we're busy. And if you can't make it, I get it. You're grown people, right? You can figure out your own world. I think that you're here because you're interested in making things stronger or you probably wouldn't be here after last week. And we're gonna keep this going all month, but I wanna challenge you to really pray if you haven't about making Vow Conference a priority. If you're single and you're here, say, what about me? What about my situation? I've gone through a divorce. What about me? What about me? I think it's a great time to make a vow to whoever that future person is to go ahead and begin to make a vow saying, I'm gonna work on becoming who I need to become for that day that we find each other. Amen.